as most of you know, we're in the middle of focusing on uh, the seven commitments that go with uh, the mission of Pine Tree Church. Your leaders, elders, deacons, a select group of folks have been working on making and maturing and multiplying faithful followers of Jesus as the, the mission of this church coming right out of the great commission of Jesus. And the power to do that comes out of the overflow of God's love and grace. And we believe that God is calling this church to do that. We're going to be looking at seven commitments. And uh, the last of those we'll get to in a couple of weeks. We actually did the first one last, or the last one first. And it was focused on our world mission and Again, we're emphasizing that again today with DeSeo, and I want to remind you about the stuff in the foyer and the kids' collection and all that that's going on. Let's go to our Father in prayer. Father, we ask you to bless this time. We invite the Holy Spirit in to work in this time. We don't want it to be a speaker and an audience, but we recognize you as the audience, and we want to spend time in your word and have you speak to us. Father, I pray for help in communicating, and I pray for help in all of us listening. And we want you to be honored in your mission for us to be addressed. In Jesus' name, amen. Today we're looking at commitment two. We will be a loving family full of hope and full of joy and full of excitement for Jesus and for each other. So I got a question. How, how in the world are we going to be full of hope, joy, and excitement? How are we going to be that? Well, I'm going to pick on somebody. Brad Thomas, I want you to stand up. I want you to be excited. That's, a, that's pretty true to you, so we'll let you pass with it. All right, Randy Bassett. I'm going to get you to come forward. I'm determined to have a response today. See, I got a response this morning. Now, Randy is helping in about four or five different ways with the search team. I want to give you a computer, you. not just to use for this, but to use as a teacher. See, I got a teacher in the family. <laughs> Now, I bet she can act excited and be excited at the same time. I am very excited. Thank you. You're welcome. Now, the, the issue is, you didn't get a computer, did you? I might have done better if I got a computer. You might have, yeah. Well, you might have done better if, if you'd had a little practice. The real issue is, you can act excited. And if Brad had gone, <laughs> like that, we'd have all known he was faking it, right? <laughs> now, maybe when he gets a deer, he's excited, but it's kind of hard to see it. And other folks are effervescent, you know, they're just... But it's hard to tell somebody to be full of hope. And then be full of hope. And it's hard to tell somebody to be full of joy. 
Even when Paul said rejoice, he put a reason, a foundation for that joy. See, we can say, you don't know my circumstances. And while we sang, you give and take away, that's hard to sing when something's been taken away. And every time we sing that song, I remember a funeral with a lady that stood with her arms raised when her 51-year-old husband had just died. She said, you give and take away, you give and take away. But my heart, even now, will still say, blessed be the name of the Lord. But it's hard, it's hard. And we can say, you, you just don't know my personality. I'm an Eeyore, I'm not a piglet. I don't get up every morning and go, gee, I wonder what wonderful thing is happening today. No, I'm more of the whatever, you know. I'm just an Eeyore. And, and we can say, you can't command somebody to do those things. And you really can't and make some unless you give them something to build that on. You see... We are people that have been blessed by God in many ways. But some days are just not good days. I have a dear friend. She's one of my wife's best friends. And every year when November 10th rolls around, it's a hard, hard time. Because on November 10th, her son in his 20s died suddenly of a birth defect that they thought they had addressed with surgery. And now her husband has Alzheimer's. And so I'm not going to tell her to fake it till she makes it. There are some times where I think we have to act our way into better ways of feeling. And we have to do the right thing, the next right thing, even though we don't feel like doing the next right thing. But I'm not going to tell somebody to fake being excited or to fake being full of joy or to fake being full of hope. And one of the things I love about this friend is if I go, how are you doing today? She never says fine. Fine is a four-letter word. And if you're in the recovery community, you know exactly what that means. It means you're messed up in every way. No, she'll just say, you know what, Phil? I'm just not really feeling it today. Or to use the language that was used, I thought that was beautiful in uh, this, the prayer for the offering. Where we were reminded that some people's torches are burning low and some people's torches are burning bright. And if somebody asks how you're doing in the language of this church, you can say, my torch is just not burning very bright today. We have a problem. We, we all know it. It's called the unholy belly button syndrome. And no, I'm not talking about dress code for church. Okay? I know there was a time about 10 years ago when that was popular and that might have been the mistaken identity. But you know what I'm talking about. Sunday morning, if you got little kids, somebody doesn't feel good, somebody can't find their clothes, somebody spends too long in the bathroom so that somebody can't put on makeup, 
somebody gets to church and they realize they've got a different shoe on each foot. I've actually preached that way before. Uh, it's just not a good morning. But as soon as we open the door in the parking lot, we all punch the un- unholy belly button. And we walk, how are you doing this morning? I'm doing just fine. No, you're not. You started church with a four-letter word. So if we're going to be a people of hope and joy and, and, and overflow with those things and live out of that, we're going to have to be honest with each other. So how do we become a people full of hope and joy and excitement because we're a part of God's family? And we're going to have to have a foundation to build that on. And a foundation we have to build that on is the fact that we've all been adopted. Again, we've already preached this sermon this morning. Tony, when he led us into the first song of worship after that opening video, what did he tell us? We're so blessed to be adopted into God's family. I've got two grandsons, one of whom literally came out of the suburbs of hell as a foster child into my kid's house. We know what it means for a child to be adopted in the places they can come from. But all of us as believers, when we come to the table of grace and we take that bread and that wine and we remember the Lord, we remember the cost that was paid to adopt us into God's family. And so we have this foundation because God, our God, is also our Father, a father to the fatherless and a defender of widows, a God in his holy dwelling, and he sets the lonely in families. We've all gone through things where we're not sure how we'd have gotten through without the help of brothers and sisters in Christ. So we're going to be a loving family full of hope and joy and excitement for Jesus and each other because we've got a good foundation. But sometimes... When our torch is burning low, just having a good foundation is not enough. There's not a little get-up in our get-along, and we just need a little kick in the pants or a little energy on the inside to get ourselves going. So what's our motivation? Where are we going to get motivated to be the people that God wants us to be? And I want you to go back and look at all the things, and you're going to have this covered in a little bit more detail this morning. Uh, by one of the brothers in the church. But when we talk about being a loving family full of hope, joy, and excitement, where does that motivation come from? It comes from worship. But not worship that's a dry, that paint doesn't just dry, it peels off and falls on the floor. I mean, we've all been there where Sunday morning it just kind of You know, it doesn't get above the roof. It's just flat. It's just dry. It doesn't do anything. And so what it means is we come with who we are and all we are, and we give it to each other and to the Lord. Yes, we're here to honor Him and praise Him and worship Him, and that's the focus of it, and we're centered on the Lord's table. But you understand that all the words for worship from the Old Testament that are brought to the New are used to talk about daily life. And when it talks about what we do in this place, at this time, it's all focused on building one another up. 
motivating each other to go and serve and do good deeds. Seven times in 1 Corinthians 14, the key chapter in the New Testament on what worship is about. Worship is about building each other up because we're in a family. So we want exciting and passionate worship. That's why when singing is good, the sermon's always good. Singing is bad. If the preacher doesn't raise Lazarus, the sermon ain't no good. And it's tough on a preacher to have to raise Lazarus before you preach to him. I mean, it's just hard. So on a morning like today, that singing was enough to send us to heaven with the weather. Oh, my goodness. We're going to intentionally encourage each other. Intentionally encourage each other. We're going to nurture each other. Now, let me talk to you straight. If we're going to be a loving family full of hope, joy, excitement for Jesus and the world, we're going to encourage each other and nurture each other intentionally. That means we're going to have to be intentional. And that motivation is going to have to shine through. And I'm going backwards with my clicker, and y'all are going, whoa, this doesn't fit what you're saying. Our motivation comes from each other. This blessing comes from Paul. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you hope in him, and may you overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Now let me ask you a question. When was the last time you encouraged somebody for no reason? Other than the fact that they're your brothers or sisters in Christ? So your challenge this week is to take Romans 15, 13. I'm going to ask you to write yourself a note or put it in your alarm for your 7 o'clock thing. I was in a dinner the other night with a bunch of people, and I, you know, you get invited to these banquets, and you expect to eat rubber chicken and sit on the back row, and it'd just be horrible. And we were given a steak, and we were seated seated at the table next to the former governor of Texas at the very front of the place. And I go, holy guacamole, I wished I'd have dressed up a little bit more for this and been a little more presentable. This, I, I'm not rubber chickening in the back, I'm up here at the front. Well, people need to know that they're important. And the way they know they're important is they're remembered. Too many people come to church and feel invisible. So I want to challenge you at, at 7 o'clock on your alarm, set that alarm. Because not only did I feel underdressed and eating better food than I thought I was going to do, but about the time Governor Rick Perry got up to speak, you know what happened? He got up to speak at 6.59 and at 7 p.m., beep, 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 my alarm to pray for the seven commitments. It pined, and my wife looked at me and she didn't look mad. She smiled because she knew it was a reminder to pray. So I'm going to ask you to put Romans 15, 13. And, and when that alarm goes off, let it remind you that every day this week you're going to send a note with that scripture on it by email or Facebook or even by real mail to somebody in this church that needs to be encouraged, whose torch is burning a little low. And they need to know they're not invisible and they're not forgotten. 
So we've talked about a foundation and a motivation to do it, but let's talk about power. In that passage that we just looked at, out of the overflow, we're going to live lives at Pine Tree that focus on reaching out and making and maturing and multiplying faithful followers of Jesus. Where are we going to get the power to do that? Where are we going to get the power to be a people of hope and encouragement and joy? Excitement. Look at the last line. The God who fills us with hope and peace and joy doesn't just do it by just kind of some misty, unknowable thing. But the Holy Spirit that was given us when we were baptized, that Holy Spirit's at work in us with His power to produce these things. That's the power that we have to produce these things. Don't believe me? When the lady of Samaria went to the well that day in the heat of the day because she wasn't wanted and was disgraced in the eyes of all the other women in the community, so she had to come at midday by herself. When she went to that well, do you think she had hope and excitement and joy? Do you think she ever had any idea after five men had kicked her out and the one that she was with now wouldn't even give her his name? Do you think she felt like she had any role to play in the community? But Jesus said, if you knew who it was, you would have fountains of living water springing up within you unto eternal life. And out of the overflow of that, when she realized who Jesus was, what was the result of that? She went back and told everybody in her town. And they knew she was changed. They knew enough that she was so changed that they went to see Jesus and when they saw Jesus and they heard him, they looked at her and said, well, we heard your testimony at first. Now, you can imagine the tone. Well, we heard your testimony. We saw you were changed, but we thought we'd better go check it out first. You know what? We believe he's the Savior of the world. That overflow of the Holy Spirit took that woman and changed her from a disgraced woman to an evangelist of Jesus, and she brought her whole village to Christ. Think about the time the apostles told Jesus, Lord, it's late in the day. These people, they're hungry, they're tired, they need to be rested. Send them home. And Jesus says, well, you feed them. You feed them. Well, Lord, half a year's wage wouldn't even buy them a piece of bread apiece. And Jesus said, now wait a minute, boys. You have them sit down in an orderly way. Andrew, like he always did, brought a little boy to Jesus. He said, Lord, here's a little boy, and he's got five barley loaves and two small fish. What's that amongst so many? And Jesus says, you just wait and see. And he fed the 5,000. And if you go down and look in verses 11 and 12 of, of, of John 6, do you remember what happened? He had them pick up all the broken pieces that were left over. 
Right? And anybody remember how many baskets there were? Say it together. Twelve. Now, isn't that a coincidence? No. It was a God incident. Because every apostle held in his hand the overflow of the power of the Holy Spirit. We're called to be a people that come to Jesus and believe that we can drink from this well of water that never runs dry. And that well will be a spring of living water and we can live in the overflow of that grace. And out of the overflow of that grace, we're going to be a loving family full of hope, joy, and excitement for Jesus and each other. So this week, our response to the invitation is not to come down here, although we'll have people down here if you need to come. We hope you will. You can come for salvation. You can come for prayer. There'll be elders in the back. You can talk to them. But the real response to the invitation this week is whether or not we're going to make sure people in this church that need a little more oil in their lamp so that that flame can burn a little brighter can get a little grace from us. So I'm going to ask that you pray and ask the Lord to show you each day who is somebody that needs to get that verse from you with a word of encouragement. Let's be what we claim we are called to be. A faithful, loving family full of hope, joy, and excitement. And here's a reason to be excited. I'm done. It's time to sing the invitation song. It's time to decide to do this last piece as we stand and sing.